everyone and welcome to our next Meet the Creator video. And in case anyone that's watching or listening and didn't realise, August is in fact International Women in Translation Month. So we are very, very lucky that um, this time I'm going to be interviewing not one, but two creators. I'm going to be interviewing both the author and also the translator of um, a fantastic YA novel, which is called In Your Orbit. So the month is very much um, an annual celebration of women writers from around the world who are writing in languages other than, than English. So just like to introduce to you our author this afternoon, which is Lisa Villadson. Thank you very much for being here. And also the translator, which is Caroline Waite. Nice to see you as well, Caroline. Okay, now we usually ask our authors if they wouldn't mind starting with a little bit of a reading. Is that okay with you, Lisa? Yes, definitely. I'm going to read the, the beginning of the book in your orbit. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> She's lying with her head in my lap, and I can smell her freshly washed hair, but I can feel how messy it is, too. The birds nest in my sister's mid-length hair remind me of my own, the ones I cheer in with a comp each morning. There's a laptop on the bed in front of us, the screen flickering with voices and light. I lift my eyes and glance towards the half-open window, the sound of nearing summer drifts inside. Blackbirds whistling, the drone of a lawnmower in a garden far away. Don't stop, says Cecil. I'm not stopping. You're thinking about something else, I can tell. No, not really. Then my fingers set to work again. I stroke the soft skin at her temples, moving behind her ear, down her neck. She sighs, turns her head and looks at me. You're literally the best snuggler in the world. As soon as she's asleep, I stop the film, seesaw her head gingerly out of my lap and set it on the pillow. Her breathing is already heavy. There's a calm about her that's never here when she's awake. Jonas has texted ask, asking if I'm up for ice cream at the harbor tomorrow once we're done with class so we can start planning for when we go interrailing. I tell him sure, then I ask what he's doing. Got dragged to his to this crabby mini golf place, kicking Oliver's ass. He he writes. He sends me a picture of himself. It must have been taken by his older brother, in which he's got a club balanced across the back of his neck and shoulders, and his arms resting over the shaft. It might actually have looked macho if it wasn't for the yellow bucket hat perched on his head and the cheesy grin plastered across his sun, sun, sunburned face. What are you up to? Movie, killing time. Go get some sun and look like you. LOL. Sunscreen gives you spots. Is his parting shut? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. So just for um, those of our viewers that you know haven't encountered the book before, it's basically a book about um, our main protagonist has a sister, an older sister, who is um, suffering with anxiety. And um, it's a lot about the effects that that has on the family, isn't it? Yes. It's the family dynamics I'm actually zooming in on. Um, yeah. Uh, how it is to be the sibling, the, you know, the, the healthy one, kind of. And then have this, this sibling who is 
who really needs you, who needs your support, who needs the parent support. And it's such a difficult position to be in, uh, to both wanting to, you know, comfort your sister and be there for her. And at the same time, you want to live a life of your own. Uh, this is the struggle the, the main character is going through. Thank you very much. Yes. So um, I read online that you started writing when you were 14. Is that right, Lisa? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah, it was a long, it was a long way. Um, that was my first novel, um, which uh, it took. I mean, I was fourteen when I wrote it the first time, and then I was thirty-two when it got published. Um, so it was quite a journey. Uh, but I always wanted to be an author, always. That's just amazing to be that you know focused at that age. Um, just ast completely astounds me. It really does. Um, uh, but you know, we're more the better for us that you did decide yeah. to stick with it because you know, um, I absolutely I did love reading the novel. I really did. Um, and it does show very clearly and movingly the impact that it has on other family members when one person is suffering from poor mental health. Is that theme something that you already knew a lot about or is it something you had to do a lot of research on? No, I, I mean, I, I had some personal experience with this, you know, having a person in your life, uh, which you are very near to, who suffers from something and you have to support them. And at the same time, you also have to maintain um, a life of your own. But I also did. Uh, some research on uh, particularly uh, anxiety, which is what the sister is suffering from in this uh, novel, um, because it's, uh, yeah, it's such a, uh, I don't know what the name is, but, it, you know, anxiety is just a huge thing in mental health issues for young people right now and has been for some years. Um, so many people are struggling with anxiety. Um, I had some of it myself, uh, one time, you know, and it's just anxiety is something that just makes the world stops, and it it, it so many people just get crushed in in this mental illness. So I had to do some research, but also I I kind of uh, you know looked into myself and took my own experiences and people I know and dragged them into the book. Yes, I've, I'm, and as I mentioned to you before, you know, I also have a member of my family who suffers quite badly with anxiety um, and certainly as a parent reading it I found myself torn between the mother and the father in the story who have got very different ways of dealing with it each are valid <laughs> but very different aren't they yes they are very different and that was something I wanted to show you know because the mom is kind of this you might say curling mama who's who's really trying to do everything she can to um, fulfill her daughter's wishes. So she won't go to school. Oh, it's okay. You can stay at home. While the father, he's, it's like he doesn't want to recognize how huge uh, the impact is on his daughter. So he's like, you need to finish school. Come on, you need to eat dinner with us. Uh, we can't let her lie in her bed all day. He doesn't want to, you know, realize how bad it is. Um, so these two positions um, are kind of extreme, but I wanted to show them and then let, let Astrid, the main character, be in the middle because she's also yeah. torn between this. On the one hand, she, she looks at her, at her sister and, and be like, why can't you just get out, 
out of bed. Why do I have to be mm -hmm. here and take care of you all the time? And on the other hand, she sees and she experiences how real it is that it's like her sister can't do these things. It's it's a um, uh, you can't see the disease. It's um, invisible, invisible, but but at the same time, it's present in the room all the time. Mm. Yes, definitely. And I really felt for Astrid because, I mean, this is a time in her life when she's just discovering feelings for boys and she's got thoughts of her future and there are strong themes of friendship running through it as well. And and yet she's got this huge guilt, hasn't she? Because she feels guilty because she wants a life of her own. And, and that was heartbreaking to me. It was, oh, I felt so sorry for her. I really did. I really felt for her. So I know you've written other YA books, but mm -hmm. am I right in thinking this is your first translated novel that's been published in the UK? Yes, that's absolutely right. Okay, and hopefully not your last. No. I very much enjoyed it. Um, so just to come to you, Caroline, I know that you are a very experienced translator. I've been reading up about you as well. Um, and I'm very interested in how that process usually works. Um, do you have lots of contact with the author typically? What? How does that go? Yeah, um, so it really varies. And of course, I, you know, I try to take my cue from the author because sometimes they really, really want to be involved, which I actually love because I really like discussing the text, like the nitty gritty of the text and like word choices, you know, everything kind of the rhythm, the detail of it um, is a lot of fun. So that's great. But also, you know, not all authors do want to be that involved. Um and that's also completely fine. Um, so, yeah, it's actually a huge spectrum. I've had everything from authors who are just like, nope, I don't, you know, I don't even need to read it. You just do it. Um, to authors who want to look at every single thing and then like everything in between. So really, you know, it's all it's all fine with me. Um, yeah. it's, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever they want, really. Absolutely fine. And what are, um, I can imagine there must be, difficulties in translating someone else's work but bearing in mind the importance of keeping the nuances in the text and is that affected as well by the different languages because you know there are many more words for certain things in some languages than others that's a yeah that's a really good question um yeah absolutely absolutely there is a huge amount um and I mean this is partly why why it is great to discuss with an author because of course you know, coming from one language into another, uh, you lose some things inevitably, and there, there's always a kind of a negotiation there. But you also potentially can gain some things. You know, there's uh, the different qualities of English versus Danish mean that, like, sometimes it's a bit of you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, cultural difference which can get lost, and part of your job as a translator is to try to make up for that so that the book mm. doesn't become more bland through your translation. That's what you want to avoid at all costs, that you take this thing which is rich and detailed and complicated and messy, and then you kind of comb it and comb it and comb it, and then it kind of comes out like a book that has none of those qualities, but just, you know, I, I think that that's the kind of danger sometimes when you're translating, and so sometimes you need to do the process of combing and then add in a little bit of mess, if that makes any sense. <laughs> you know, so part of the process of translating is like the opposite of polishing, I find. It's like 
it's the careful messing up at the right moments or yeah you know just introducing a little bit of texture back in that yeah, can be lost come across as staid and and just a dry right. yeah well yeah so it has character exactly and i you know i think sometimes you know if you just kind of do something as if you're google translate or whatever it does end up with this very it's a kind of dull, you know, characterless structure, which is not, of course, a reflection of, of the original, right? You want to keep that kind of life and character and verb and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, so that's really your main challenge as a translator. Well, you, you've definitely overcome that. I have to tell you. <laughs> the, the book is yeah. full of life. Um, absolutely. Full of mess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you need. We all need a bit yeah, of mess in our yeah. lives. Come on, you know. Exactly, um, yeah. And it's a, a thoroughly enjoyable read. I absolutely loved it. I found it very fascinating as well, what you say about, you know, other um, cultures and customs and things. I found that really interesting, um, particularly, um, and something that perhaps, Lisa, you can explain a little bit more, the, the caps when they graduate. I've never heard about that. Caps. Caps. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Studentahu, uh, we call it in Danish. Uh, yeah, well, in Denmark, we have this, uh, it's a white kind of, uh, it's a white cap. And then with a, a black, I think a black uh, front. Mm -hmm. And then it's a red thingy if you w went to the gym, gymnasium, as they do. Yeah, so, so basically you are offered this hat. You have to buy it yourself, of course. Yeah. But basically everyone uh, does it. So you run around in the cities and just showing your cap and people are saying, oh, congratulations when you see these young folks with these uh, caps on. So it's uh, quite a nice tradition, I think. And we see students with these hats all over the place in the, in the early months of summer. It, it sounds yeah. absolutely wonderful. It sounds like a real yeah. event, you know, uh -huh. a celebration, which... Um, yeah. I thought was absolutely fantastic. And the even down to putting their final grade on their caps. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, goodness, yeah. me. you know, I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, you do that. And then you write also sentences for each other, like, don't uh, don't you forget about me and let's meet in 10 years and stuff like that. Or you can have a little love letter from someone who you have some uh, fling with and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's really a nice tradition. Which, which we do have over here, but it tends to be um, when you leave secondary school, then it's usually a white shirt and usually you'll get people to sign you white. I've still got mine from school. All those years ago, I've still got my white shirt with the messages on. I'm not in contact with any of the people, but it's still a lovely memory. It's still a lovely yeah. memory to have. So are we allowed to ask what you're working on next? Yes, definitely. Um, right now I'm working on a youth novel called um, Club of the Massive Black Holes. And it's a story about a group of six young people who are getting together in a group for uh, lonely youngsters. And it's a realistic novel and it's coming out in Denmark in January, this January, next year. Yeah. So Excellent. So we'll have yep. to keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah here as well. i really hope so yeah <laughs> and how about yourself caroline are you very busy with other translations at the moment yes um so i'm 
the one I'm working on at the moment uh, is a book by another Danish author called Maren Udhag, which is called 11%. Lisa's already heard about it. Yeah, I love it. But, um, yeah, it's a really, really fun book. It's it's not a YA, this one. It's um, very much not for the faint-hearted, I would say. it's a, They're pitching it as a sort of reverse handmaid's tale. So it's a world, a dyst- future dystopia where men only make up 11% of the population and they're kept drugged you know medicated and controlled in centers and yeah so it's a kind of a crazy um but very darkly funny also uh book so i'm, I'm working on that for publication at the moment to um, me you know your, your work <laughs> sounds fun it is fun really good good i mean i must admit i'm very lucky in that i get to read lots and lots of children and young adult novels but um yeah, I mean, I'd quite like the idea of that being sent the new novels before anybody else has read them. That sounds yeah. wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, thank you both very much for giving up your time today. Um, as I say, I can't recommend it enough. I thought it was a fantastic novel and I really enjoyed it. And I think it's an important novel because I think it's important for young people that are in these situations to be able to read books about others that are in the same situation because it it's helpful to them. It does help them and it normalises things, which is how it should be, you know. So um, thank you very much for writing it and thank you very much for translating it so well because it has turned out absolutely amazing. Um, and perhaps, who knows, perhaps if the, your next one does end up being produced over here, perhaps we'll have you back. That will be really nice. Oh, I hope so. Thank you, Bev. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah.